Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. This month, we will be doing an Oscar-themed podcast where we will be talking about a few Best Picture winners from different decades from the 20th century. Today, we will be talking about one of the biggest movies ever in history, The Sound of Music, from 1965, starring Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer. And with me virtually is my good friend, Christina. Hello! Thank you for coming back for another musical. Oh, of course. I'm always happy to be back. The Von Trapp family who live in Austria is based off of a true story and follows Maria, Maria, played by Julie Andrews, who lives in the Abbey and becomes a governess for a strict widower, played by Christopher Plummer, and his seven children. Maria manages to bring back singing and dancing into the Von Trapp household and falls in love with Captain Von Trapp just before World War II breaks out and the Nazis invade Austria. Through memorable songs like My Favorite Things and Do Re Mi, and of course the gorgeous cinematography, this movie is loved by all ages and every generation. So Christina, what do we think of Robert Wise's The Sound of Music? Oh, I just love this movie. It's just good. Like, it's one of those movies where I always forget how long it is, because it's long. It's like over two and a half hours, I do believe. Oh, yeah. Um, but it never feels like it. Like, I feel like there are some movies where their runtime is less than two hours and they feel like they go on forever because they're so bad. But this movie goes by so fast and it's just enjoyable. Like there's not a single slow moment of it or like boring part, in my opinion anyway. I like all of it. No. I mean, it's a it's a timeless film, and I think the pacing of it is so well done, and it almost feels like two movies. Like, the first part is, you know, before they're married or when, before she leaves the Von Trapp family, and then the second part is just World War II. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to remember because um, my parents and I, the last time I was home, uh, back in, like, Christmas 2019 slash 2020, um... I, the, one of the last things I did back home, uh, was see the, the arts club's production of The Sound of Music, um, which is like, it's like a long musical. Like, I think it's like two and a half hours on the stage too. And I'm trying to remember where exactly the intermission falls. And I like cannot for the life of me remember right now, but is, um, cause I remember I really wanted to, to see it. And then when, my mom phoned to buy tickets for her and I. There was, like, no tickets left because it was so popular. Oh, no. And now I regret not going because there's, like, no more play. <laughs> but oh, was it um, I very it was, different um, from was, the movie? Sorry, I remember where the intermission was. It's um, right when, like, uh, Maria decides to to go back to the Abbey um, because she oh, realizes yeah. that she, she loves um, uh, Mr. Von Trapp. Um, and so then Act 2 opens with the kids trying to go to the Abbey to visit her. Um, right that, that makes, makes sense. sense yeah that that's a that's a logical midpoint um <laughs> yeah no it's actually it's pretty similar um to the movie uh like all things considered the only difference is max and the baroness get a little bit more to do in the musical um like okay. the baroness actually uh the baroness gets one song all to herself um which is like a little bit of a duet with uh the the mr von trapp but it's mostly her own song um, and her and Max get a song that they do together. Um, and so, like, they get a little bit more to do. Like, Max gets to sing a little bit more. Um, and, like, they they don't do a puppet show for um, uh, 
the Lonely Goat Herd song. That's like okay. that's like just done as like another song that the kids do when they're like running around playing with her. They don't like attempt to do a full puppet show on stage. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like other than that, it's like pretty similar. That's really cool. I mean, if this pandemic, which it will, ends, I I would really like to see it. Um, because I've this is again like I know I've mentioned this before with Annie, but this movie Annie and The Wizard of Oz were like. And they're all musicals were the first things I've I like ever watched as oh, like yeah. a three year old. I mean, you just watch them; they're part of your childhood. And it's funny that they're all musicals as well. But I yeah. think this one had a huge um, impact on me with singing and um, of Julie Andrews in general. I think uh, she's everybody's second Andrews. mother. Oh my god! Because see, because I remember like. Of the, the three movies you just mentioned, like Annie, Wizard of Oz, and Sound of Music, um, Wizard of Oz is definitely the one I remember seeing first of the three. Yeah, me too. Like, Wizard of Oz is, like, one of my earliest memories of, like, watching a movie at home. Um, I feel like Mary Poppins I probably saw before Annie or The Sound of Music. Um, but, like, between The Sound of Music and Mary Poppins, and I got really into My, um, my Fair Lady when I was younger, oh, yeah. which Julie Andrews wasn't in the movie, but she's on the Broadway recording. Um, so I was like big into Julie Andrews as a kid because like I loved Mary Poppins and I watched that movie all the time and I loved The Sound of Music and I listened to my My Fair Lady CD all the time. And then I watched Princess Diaries 2 where yeah. Julie Andrews is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's awesome in Princess Diaries 1 too. She is, but to be honest with you, I was a stupid little kid and I watched Princess Diaries 2 before watching Princess Diaries 1. So I remember that movie way better because I watched Princess Diaries 2 all all the time and I didn't see the first one until like years later was it really for Julie Andrews or for Chris Pine Ooh, that's a good point this is um actually I feel like I might have seen the second one too before not to like drift but because I remember clearly um going to like my friend at the time's seventh birthday party and she had this whole like spa birthday party again something that I would never do for my birthday and and (laughs) it wasn't really like we just got like our our, uh toenails done and then while we were getting it done we'd be watching princess diaries and I remember like being unfamiliar with it but I I think I actually had seen the second one because it was newer for like our age group than the first one so I think when I was five or whatever I saw the second one yeah exactly (laughs) well I'm like I just like that movie better but the first one's very good but like I just remember like between like all of those things I I loved Julie Andrews as a kid and I still love Julie Andrews I adore her yeah I mean it's funny because every Christmas since I was six we always watch Eloise at Christmas time, which she's in, and she's a nanny yeah. in that too. Totally not typecast at all. But <laughs> I always watch Eloise at Christmas time. I've never seen Eloise at the Plaza, the movie, but Eloise at Christmas time, I still watch that every year. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um, and then The Sound of Music, not on Christmas, um, but like around the, the winter, like December. Yeah. And it's just so nice having her in your living room, like, for the last 15 years. Yeah. And before, because our parents would have had her in, in their living room, too. 
Yeah, ex- yeah, definitely. No, I I think the sound of music um cuz I feel like CBC or like CTV or one of those channels always shows it like around New Year's. Yeah. Um and so like yeah, basically maybe not quite every year, but basically every year I've watched the sound of music like sometime between Christmas and New Year's. That's always like a good yeah. movie for that period of time, I feel like. Yeah, I know. And I always end up like putting the DVD in like I start watching it on TV and then CTV has so many ads and they skip mm-hmm. things and I'm like I gotta continue watching this and I just put the DVD in. This is like this is a very brief side tangent but my parents and I do this thing all the time with like Christmas movies especially where we start yeah. the DVD like at the same time that it starts like on TV like we did this with the Polar Express a lot is we watch oh, our... and it always ends earlier yeah and it always ends earlier and then we'd watch the ending a second time on TV yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just because why not? Just because In yeah, like they're good it. movies. <laughs> yeah. It's like an hour though later. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um I think for me with this movie, I mean, we don't really have to go into too much detail of the whole story cuz I think everybody has seen The Sound of Music. And if, if you not, haven't, that is insane. Yeah, but, fix but it. like you must have seen a part. Everybody um, like at the very least knows <laughs> at one song or like one scene from The Sound of Music. At minimum. Yeah, this, this is the biggest movie we have ever done on this show. And I think it's the most heartwarming one for everybody because everyone loves this movie. I, I can't imagine anyone saying they don't like The Sound of Music. And, and what really makes this movie, besides the music and the gorgeous costumes and the cinematography, is Julie Andrews for me. Oh, yeah. Well, she's like, she's the perfect casting choice. And like, the whole movie is perfectly cast. Like, Christopher Plummer was phenomenal. Um, I do not know the names of like any of the actors who played any of the kids, but they're all great. (laughs) (laughs) And this is all they really did. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, why even try to top that, right? I mean, you're the best movie ever made. When you're You're not going to go better. When you're in the sound of music at five years old, like you can't go up from there. That's it. No. Yeah, I'm really glad we're also doing this because Christopher Plummer just passed away a couple of months ago and he's Canadian. So it's nice that we're doing this movie, even though, and I can read more facts later, he hated being part of this film and is like known for hating this movie. It's like, he calls it the sound of mucus. I have a quote here. He said it, quote, it was so awful and sentimental and gooey, end quote. (laughs) That's so funny. I, I don't know how, why you wouldn't have fun being part of this movie. Maybe he didn't like acting with so many children. Um, how can you not smile yeah, being around Julie Andrews? <laughs> yeah, I will say, though, I think that, like, Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews, like, are slash were very cool because, like, even, you know, to their much later years like they they did so much good acting like Christopher Plummer was so good at Knives Out so good um you know what few things Julie Andrews has been in you know in recent years she's been great and I mean narrating Bridgerton hello like the perfect voice it's funny they've never become like a lot of famous stars from like the 60s and 70s they've never become has-beens they're always like you know he's um the evil guy in Up and he's he won an Oscar. The old I forgot yeah, about the that. oldest guy uh, person to ever win the Oscar in his movie The Beginners. Um, so he's always been like really out there too. And same as her. I mean, she's always kind of gone more the the family friendly kind of 
kids route, but she has always reinvented yeah. herself. Yeah, and she's still, like, people still love her. Like, I had no idea until I watched the show that it was Julie Andrews doing the voice of Bridgerton, and I was like, yes, yeah. this is perfect. <laughs> like, this could not be anybody else. She is perfect. And, yeah. and even, like, I don't know if you watched... Um, I love, there's only one season of it, sadly, but there's like a Netflix original show called Julie's Green Room. Oh. I think I've talked about this before. Um, it's a, a show from the Jim Henson Company, and it's Julie Andrews and this other guy who is like a human, and then a bunch of puppets who are children. Yes. And the premise of the show is like Julie Andrews runs a like theater company for children, and she like teaches children about musical theater. And every episode has a guest star, and Adina Menzel's in the first one, and Josh Groban's on it, and Alec Baldwin, and Chris Colfer, and it's so good. And Julie Andrews singing with a bunch of children puppets is like my go-to feel good show I used to watch it in my residence yeah. room on Netflix in first year I love it so I've much I've seen the one with Adina Menzel like not for many years but I've seen that one yeah it's good it's, like it's just cute and I nice forgot about it. is it still on Netflix oh yeah it's still on Netflix it's just like they only ever made one season oh, unfortunately but like that one season is adorable she also um Julie Andrews has a daughter um also named Emma, and they write kids' books together. Hey. Um, so my mom would always buy me their oh, kids' yeah. books. I always forget about that, too. That's yeah, so she's cool. a really cool lady. <laughs> I actually have, um, for Christmas, my parents got me the most recent Julie Andrews biography, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it is, like, on my yes. shelf waiting to be read this me summer too. i have the first one which i only ever read a part of and i think i tried to read it like at six years old and i just i couldn't get through it um, but i have the second one it's like a darker cover um yeah yes yeah that's the one i, I have. don't know i think this one talks more about her experience um knowing walt disney as well and i'm like huge walt disney's fan so that's really Ooh. cool i need to read that <laughs> I need me to start too. like reading for fun again after after I have a couple of weeks off. Oh god, me too. <laughs> Why do you think um this movie is still so popular after 56 years? I think it's just like it's genuinely aged so well. Like you already you already mentioned this, but the pacing of it is really good. Like despite being the movie never feels like it's moving really quickly or rushing anything. Like it takes its time with the important plot points, but it never feels boring. I've never ever been bored during the sound of music. Even as a little kid watching like a two and a half hour movie, I've never been bored. Yeah. Um, because it's like it's paced out really well. And I think that honestly, like it's also aged really well thematically. Like if you think about it, I can't like, you know, sometimes you go back and watch movies from then and you cringe because there's like stuff that's really outdated or like really didn't age well mm -hmm. um but I mean like the only thing that I can think of that you could maybe say didn't age super well was like the song 16 going on 17 <laughs> but the point like the song 16 going on 17 is like pretty sexist but the point is that Rolf is a Nazi yeah. anyway, so you're supposed to not like yeah. him. Like, you're not supposed to think that he is correct and that that song is right. Like, you're supposed to be like, oh, he's a Nazi and an asshole, and Liesl can do better. Because, like, Julie Andrews, like, yeah, obviously Maria ends up, like, you know, marrying and being a mother. But she's also a very, like, independent, strong female character. 
Like, she is her own person, very much separately from Mr. Von Trapp. He does not define her. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I have to admit, I think the 16 Going and 17 song was, like, my favorite song to sing as a little, as a little kid. Oh, same. I, I loved, loved that song. I thought it was so cute. I, I don't want to, like, get sued for, for singing it, but, like, <laughs> it's such a great... I mean, all the songs are so great. I never could reach that, like, climb every mountain note that that oh, nun no. sings. God, I wish. That, no, they're not called nuns. <laughs> what are they called? I don't know. Oh, um, no, they. Uh, uh, she's the, the mother yeah, yeah, Abby yeah. or like something. Teresa thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, never could get to those notes. And also my favorite things. Um, I think I sang a solo of it. Song. Either at my school or with the Bach choir. I can't remember now. I think you did at the Bach Choir. I feel oh, like I okay. remember that. Yeah, I love that song. Even though I don't sing it when I'm sad. It just seems too happy. <laughs> it's not really the song I sing when I'm feeling bad. Not gonna lie, I listen to it really? when I'm feeling bad still. I need oh to start yeah, that like then. genuinely, I've listened to it when I'm feeling bad. <laughs> when the dog bites, yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, I feel like I listened to it ironically after getting stung by a bee for the first time. I remember being like, haha, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I also love the underrated, like, I Have Confidence song. That's a really nice one, too. I love that song. I listened to that song all the time, unironically, like, especially in first year. Yeah. When I was like, you know, when everything was changing, I listened to that song all the time. It's, I mean, all of them are so fun to listen to. The only one I kind of have a problem with, um, and it's not like that bad, but is that solo that, um, that like love song that Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer sing to each other. And it's just like, perhaps I had yeah. a wicked childhood. I must have done something good, you know, and it's just kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty yikes. Like, I, I, I presume that the point of it is, like, well, my childhood may have sucked, but at least I have a nice husband yeah. now. But it's a little, it's a it's, little rough. It kind of always has it's made not me a bob. feel a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> but, I mean, it's fine. It was a different time. And then... And even, like... And honestly, compared to other movies around that time, like, even that song didn't age no. horribly. And then my favorite... I think of the whole movie as Edelweiss, probably. I yeah. love that song. My dad always used to cry whenever we'd watch the movie and they'd sing Edelweiss. So nice. Like the scene when he, that's my favorite scene of the movie when she's kind of finally got her way and music's come back into the Von Trapp household and then he pulls out his guitar and sings. And then Charmin Carr, who plays Elisel, um, does that beautiful harmony with him. That's that's my favorite scene. Yeah. And then Raindrops on Roses. I love that scene. <laughs> I course. love the little girl Gretel. She's my favorite Von Trapp child. <laughs> I love those kids so much. I think they're all so good. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about Christopher Plummer in this role did you did you think he was good like well cast I did think he was well cast I think that like he and honestly like I don't know if Christopher Plummer was ever known much for being a singer but I mean he's a pretty good yeah. singer he's no Julie Andrews but like he gets the job done um and yeah I thought he was really well cast I mean like young Christopher Plummer is handsome not gonna lie like you know he's a good looking man <laughs> um and <laughs> he was a handsome man um, 
And yeah, I think like he, I think he does the role really well because at the beginning of the movie, he does the stern father role really well, but then he does like the, the looser, like more relaxed father role equally well. Like when he starts to like, when you, when you see the gradual progression in him of becoming less strict, like he does that so well. Yeah. I find his like way of fatherly, like as a father changes throughout the movie, the beginning, he's like the strict, you know, don't come near me. I don't want anything to do with you, with his children. And then he kind of starts loving them and bringing them into his world. Well, he never did not love them. Like he always loved them, but he starts bringing them kind of back into his world and, and spending time with him. And then at the end, he's like this protective, like Papa bear who's like, do not hurt my children. (laughs) Also his, like every time he does like an epic, like strong, like anti-Nazi part in the movie, I'm always like, yes, King, tell him Nazis are bad. Yes. And then, I love, I love that gif, like, it's, like, again, like, that gif still circulates, like, people share that gif of him ripping up the Nazi flag (laughs) in that movie, like, all the time. Yeah, he, I, because it's such a good moment. I think his presence is perfect, and I I don't know how, like, many people around that time that were actors, but I I don't think it could have been anyone for him either, because they'd also have to have good chemistry with Julie Andrews as well, and he has to be somebody that is a bit cold and removed, but he can also warm up late. Like, you can't yeah. hate him. He's not ugly. Um, he's very handsome. But he's not, like, you know, a pretty boy kind of face. He's stern looking. Yeah, exactly. He's He looks he looks like a, a father figure. Yeah. Like, he very much looks. And I think, like, um, it's also interesting because I don't know if you watched um, the one of the first ever, like, live TV musicals they did, like, now that's, like, a super big trend, but the, the Sound of Music with Carrie Underwood. Oh, I think... I think did you I ever watch that? <laughs> then I might have stopped. Carrie Underwood is not a bad person, but, my God, she should not have been cast in that role. And among, for many reasons, but one of them is that they... Ca- like, the guy playing um, Captain Von Trapp in that... in the NBC, like, Sound of Music Live was way older yeah. than her. Like, he was, I think, like, 15 years older than her at least. And he looked way older than her. Like, Carrie Underwood looked so young. Like, she looked like she could have been cast as Liesel, believably. And the guy looked so much like a dad. Like, Julie Andrews looks quite young, but she still looks like she could be a young mother, and she looks like the appropriately aged love interest for Captain Von Trapp, and he looks very fatherly, but not really old. Yeah. So it just, like, makes way more sense. Um. I know that I think what's good is because I'm just looking it up that Christopher Plummer was born in 1929 and Julie Andrews was born in 1935. So it's a perfect age, age gap. Like, it's, yeah. it's really good. Yeah. Like a reasonable, believable age gap for people who are in yeah. love. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking I will probably edit this out because I can't remember, but I, I remember this kid's movie. Um, where it's either with The Rock, like, you know those stages with The Rock where he was, like, still kind of had hair and he was doing stuff like the Tooth Fairy and stuff? Yes, Julie Andrews is in the Tooth Fairy. Oh. I know no, what you're going to ask. I, <laughs> I know, but I was, I remember this movie, it was either him or another person that looks very similar to him, where he has to watch these kids and one of the kids... Um, wants to be in a play and he plays Kurt in the Sound of Music play at their school and I remember being like oh why would you want to be Kurt now I can't remember what the movie was but if anyone on here remembers (laughs) the movie where it was either The Rock or that other guy that kind of looks like The Rock um, is his name like oh man I need to google this now or something like that oh Vin Diesel okay I need to google this 
Vin Diesel. Oh, there's a movie called oh. The Pacifier. You can watch it on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, the Pacifier. This is the movie. Anyways, the guy that's yeah, it's called The Pacifier from okay, 2005, and it's with Vin Diesel and Max Thurio, oh, who is yeah, kind of yeah. like in a lot of kids' movies. And that guy, Max Theriot, he wants to be Kurt, and he really likes the girl that plays Liesel. And I remember watching that and being like, why do you want to be Kurt? He's the worst character in this whole movie. But anyways, hey, you I guys love want to Kurt. Check out the He's pacifier. the kid who definitely grew up to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> Wait, Kurt's like the Nazi guy, right? I'm just making sure. I'm no, no. Oh, Ralph is oh the God. Nazi guy. Oh my God. Ralph. The... Sorry, I meant Ralph. I was like, why oh, do you want to be Ralph? I am okay, so Okay, this makes sorry. sense now. Yeah, oh no, Ralph's the worst. Yeah, no, I, that's why when I was watching it as a kid, I was like, why do you want to be Ralph? He's the worst yeah, character. Ew. No, no, sorry. Okay, yeah, no, that's little, yikes. Kurt's, Kurt's like the little chubby guy, but it's like really yes. sweet, right? Kurt's the yes. little chubby boy who Long like Kurt. pretends to sing the really high note in yeah. So Long Farewell. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really cute. I don't know. I hope some of those like children are still alive now. But anyway, um... Do you want to talk about the costumes? <gasps> yes. Oh, man. Um, oh, they're just... Sorry, I, like... I, I pulled up the Wikipedia page for the pacifier, so I can read that later, because <laughs> I've never heard of this movie. Um, <laughs> it just opened, like, a whole new world for you. It's going to change your life. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, the movie... All I saw was that the movie had 21% on Rotten Tomatoes when I opened it, and I was, like, fantastic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, my like six year old self was not refined yet. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. People, the, I think the Tooth Fairy has like really terrible ratings, and I still love that movie. Um, sometimes the ones with bad ratings are actually really good. Exactly. You cannot trust Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but no, oh my god, I love the costumes because like it's, you know, I mean the movie was like made around basically when it was set like it you know it, it was a period piece but not like a far stretch period piece by any means at the time when it was made um but oh my god I love the costumes so much I love when the kids are able to start wearing whatever they want and they don't just have to wear their little like uniforms because each kid mm -hmm. has their own like distinct style which is so cute and, like, Julie Andrews' dresses are always so cute. Like, oh, my God, I remember loving her wardrobe so much. And, like, and I loved how I loved how different it was yeah. from the Baroness. Like, all of the Baroness's dresses were very much, like, not skin tight, but they were very, you know, like, they were the thin dresses that just went, like, straight down and, like, hugged your body. Whereas, like, Julie Andrews always had, like, the big, fun skirts. And I thought that that was really cool because, the like, she looked yeah. like Julie Andrews dressed more like a mother and that the Baroness very much dressed like, you know, a cold, like, <laughs> girl boss who was always, like, going to cocktail parties. And Julie Andrews yeah. dressed like she was going to go, like, run about the hills with a bunch of her kids. I mean, it really shows you just by looking at the Baroness that she's not going to be a mom that cares for the kids. And we know later on that she wants to send them to boarding school. And she just looks like one of those femme yeah. fatales, you know. She wears all that makeup. Yes. It's the makeup right away. And then the dresses and the way her hair is up. And, you know, 
Julie Andrews Maria. They're so different. Yeah, it looks more of like like a tomboy. Like she looks like she's going to be rolling around in the field and getting dirty and getting wet. And at first when I was younger, I actually thought Julie Andrews like in this age, like when I'd see a picture of Princess Diana, I would think they're the same person, like very similar Aww. as in the hair. Okay, they do though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's way older <laughs> Julie Andrews, but yeah, I mean, it it's she just has that motherly figure. And that lovely smile and gorgeous eyes. I mean, everything about it, it's just, it's so well done. And I love that she makes the clothes for them out of curtains. And it's so it's just, cute. And then when you see like her looking at the, it's just such a great idea. Um, just how she does really feel like she's a mother kind of for everybody in this whole world. And it's just, it's just really nice. It's really sweet. I yeah, no. I love the costumes and I love I love how colorful they are. I know obviously like, you know, World War 2 era is very far removed from like Pride and Prejudice era, but yeah. I know I've talked with um with my girlfriend Hannah before about how like so often when they do these like period pieces or these pie- or these like movies that are supposed to be set like in the real world TM, the colors are all very like neutral mm-hmm. and muted. Um, and it feels like they don't play around with color very often. Whereas like with the sound of music, like their outfits are colorful, like especially Maria's, like they give her these like really fun, nice, like colorful dresses, um, and her like big funny hats. Uh, and I love it. Yeah. Cause it, it, it has a lot of color. I mean, it's not the color palette and all those big costumes that's used in West Side Story, even though it's like filmed around the same time, but also West Side Story is not a period piece. But um, The Sound of Music has different colors, but a lot of patterns, I think. Yes, yeah, they really, I love that too. Especially because, like, you know, she's made the clothes from curtains, so having these, like, funny curtain patterns is so good. Yeah, and even, I'm trying to think, like, even the nuns or the mothers um, at the Abbey don't look boring and pale and, like, monotone either. They're all really, everyone is very colorful even a way even if they're not wearing colors I don't know how to describe it but yeah no I know what you mean like the nuns the nuns aren't just stereotyped as being these sort of like pasty gray-faced like one note characters like I mean how do you solve a problem like Maria banger yeah um and you really get to see all the nuns different personalities there and then one of my favorite scenes in the movie um it's, it was always my parents and I's favorite scenes is uh toward the end when the Von Trapps have left the Abbey <laughs> and all the say. Nazis get in their car <laughs> and they're trying to like, and they're trying to leave, but their cars won't start. And two of the nuns go up to the mother and say, you know, forgive me, mother, for I have sinned. And they take out the car parts that they've removed. I like, that's so funny. So even, it's such a good scene. Even the nuns aren't flat characters. Like even they are a bit rebellious and go against what they're always taught. And it's so great because that's what humans are about. You know, if they're always so perfect because they totally reprimanded Maria when she lived in the Abbey because she was a a rebel, basically, and she didn't do what everyone asked her to do and eat exactly at the time. She would, I guess, dance around the fields. But, um, you know, even She's these... She's always nuns, late for everything except for every yeah. meal. <laughs> even, yeah, even the nuns were a bit rebellious, too, that she lived with and did... When it meant that they were helping... Maria, they would go out of their comfort zone and do something. And I mean, who doesn't want to help them get away from Nazis? Like, who wouldn't do that? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people did, but it's nice to see that these characters 
on on the screen did all this whether or not it really happened i i don't know i don't know too much about the whole history about the von trapp family yeah i i remember oh man i think that they like they i know that they escaped somewhere different i feel like than what it said in the movie maybe like i forget where they're going in the movie uh but i feel like they ended up somewhere different in real life and obviously, like, it doesn't go into, I don't know if they, I presume they didn't have a big cinematic, like, hiding from the Nazis in a church scene. They probably just, like, pieced out. Um, but, you know, you never know. Well, I just looked it up <laughs> with my half-assed internet research, <laughs> and apparently they did not escape to Switzerland by foot, like is shown in the movie uh, in the very last scene, they actually just took a train to Italy, which oh, sounds nice. way less cool. <laughs> and way easier. <laughs> the day after they uh, left Italy, uh, Hitler closed all the Austrian borders, so they wouldn't have been able to oh, leave wow. if they had waited another day. So, wow. And some more an- inaccuracies, if people are interested. There were actually ten Von Trapp children, not seven. Wow. And Maria and... Um, What's his name? Georg? Georg? Oh, I don't Georg. Really know his name. Yeah, Georg. I have Georg. no... Okay. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's a very unattractive name for how he it looks. It sounds but, like Gaylord, uh, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Maria and <laughs> Gaylord, um, <laughs> they uh, they were married for over a decade before the Nazis invaded Austria. Oh, so well, that's I guess they, nice. had to, they had to make a problem somehow. So. Yeah, we don't have a decade to kill. We're on some movie time. We got to push this timeline up. Well, that's nice, though. I'm glad that in real life they didn't have to, like, immediately turn around from their honeymoon. Yeah, like two weeks later. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Apparently... Maria admitted in like a writing or with her kids that or Von Trapp kids that she never really loved Georg. Um, she really loved the children, and she really liked him, but she never loved him. Oop. Well, <laughs> that's so awful. Yikes. Well, I mean, at least she liked the kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the best stepmom you can have, yeah. right? I mean, she's choosing the kids over the husband. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird, but. Also probably kept her, you know, safe for the 10 years. This is true. <laughs> With yeah. a good income. Yeah, and I mean, she probably had yeah. more fun than she would have at the Abbey, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. She was also 19, not, uh, like, 24 or whatever Maria is. Or maybe they don't really say their age. Yeah, I guess they never in say the in the movie. But I, but Julie Andrews is definitely older than 19, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Um. Yes. So this movie, and that's why it's so amazing, because it's one of the first musicals that wasn't actually done in a studio in Hollywood. Um, It was actually filmed in Salzburg, Austria, which, I mean, they couldn't have done it any other way. I love the scene when they're singing Do Re Mi and, you know, they're on the hills, but also when they're all walking in that choreographed dance steps around the fountain and they're going up and down the stairs. Uh. It's so well done. And in the carriage... With their little hats, with the feathers. Austria looks so beautiful. It looks so gorgeous. I know. I mean, I don't know if I'd ever go there, but it's it looks really nice on here. I I don't want. I'm curious if it still looks as timeless now as it did in like 1965. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's been other movies that have been filmed there. I don't know. I bet you it's 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 definitely probably one of those tourist attractions though, where like tourists go to see like where the Sound of Music was filmed. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. 
Well, we talked about, do you have, I know it's hard to choose, but do you have like a favorite scene of the whole movie? Ooh, I, well, I mean, aside from the best line ever of the nuns removing the car parts, which is like yeah. pretty high up there. <laughs> um, oh, that's a good question. I mean, I love the musical numbers, obviously. Um, yeah. I remember as a kid, my favorite scene was the Lonely Goat Herd, like the puppet show. Because that was oh, yeah. one of my favorite songs when I was a kid. And I thought that the puppet show is, like, really fun and funny. Um, I really loved that one. Uh, so, yeah, The Lonely Goat Herd's high up there. Dory Me is high up there. Um, and I really like – I like all the, like, numbers that they do with, like, Maria and the kids. I think those ones are always my favorite. Yes. Like, So Long Farewell is probably my other, like, favorite. Oh. If I had to say, like, you know, top three to five – scene so long farewell the first time they do it like when they do it at the party yeah it's so good i'd like to stay and taste my first champagne yes no (laughs) no (laughs) backs away slowly um yeah i love that one and how the little girl's like sitting on the gretel is sitting on the stairs it's just so beautiful and i like how in that scene um you know at first it's like one person doing their little solo and then another person and then in order to get quick through the party, they do like two at once, and then yeah. and then in the very end, when they're finally doing it, um, just before they're gonna escape, they kind of do it all as a bit of a group. Almost, yeah, they like cut out some of them, and they have them do more like as two by two instead of just like one solo, which is interesting. Yeah, um, it, it's a it's a really nice scene, and it also gives you a chance to see how gorgeous their house is. <laughs> my gosh! Oh yes! Oh so my big. god! It is, I was thinking now, when you were saying how good that line was with the nuns, there isn't, the one thing that's a bit lacking from this movie is there isn't really great dialogue that you just remember and be like, oh yeah, that's from The Sound of Music. <laughs> I've never experienced somebody like saying a quote from The Sound of Music. Yeah, I feel like the only people who quote The Sound of Music back and forth are like me and my parents. <laughs> <laughs> also, like I, I said, know, like, I mean, that, like scene, <laughs> that scene of... Uh, of uh, Christopher Plummer ripping the Nazi flag is like still epic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. There's so many memorable parts. There isn't a favorite scene for me either. I really like when he sings Edelweiss and the whole raindrops on roses. I, I even love 16 going on 17. Like the dancing to that is just so beautiful. And when she's like sneaking in with her wet hair. Yeah. I, I, it just, it really flows so well. Yeah. I really like it. Um, so I have, I have some fun facts to go through. (laughs) So apparently when it came out, um, The Sound of Music was the highest grossing film of all time, breaking the Gone with the Wind record. Um, so it made $286.2 million at the box office in 1965. Damn. Wow. And their budget was just over $8 million. Wow, that's that. Wow, <laughs> I I don't even know how that was even accessed. Um, apparently it saved Twentieth Century Fox because, uh, my movie a couple years before Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor. I've never seen it, but apparently it 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 made Twentieth Century Fox broke. So um, this movie gave them some money back, but still, like I think Cleopatra cost like millions or billions. Or I mean, something. given that I've never heard of Cleopatra, it's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. It's definitely not the memorable one then. No. Um, I just remember now. I think I read in that autobiography of um, 
uh, Julie Andrews that she had a lot of trouble um, filming that Hills Are Alive scene at the very opening. And I think a plane, like the helicopter that would film her would always go way too low and push her to the ground. Oh my God. So she would get like hay and grass all in her hair and it would take like weeks to film. And she was either early on pregnant at the time or she had had just had her baby and it was like super stressful for her yeah geez (laughs) like nothing like going to work and getting hit by a helicopter yeah geez (laughs) (laughs) this was also and you probably know this but it was the last rogers and hammerstein musical um it opened on broadway in 1959 and rogers and hammerstein also wrote South Pacific, The King and I, and Oklahoma. Yes, okay, I've never seen the South Pacific or Oklahoma movies, but this is, like, super cringe, but I loved The King and I movie as a kid. I was not aware of how yikes it was, but at the time, I loved The King and I. Is that the one from, like, the 1950s or something? Yeah, that's the one about, like... Um, it's the, the school teacher goes to, uh, I believe it's a made up country, uh, Siam. Um, and she like teaches the children of, uh, oh man, is he referred to as an emperor? I, or, well, I guess he's probably referred to as a king if the movie's called King and I, duh. Um, (laughs) and yeah, she like falls in love with him. Um, and I really liked it as a kid because I thought the music was really good. Because yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm familiar with one of the songs and they played it. I think if I'm correct, there was one musical song that they continued playing like at the beginning of the pandemic for the nurses. And I don't know if that was from the King and I, oh. or not, but it was like when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. And I don't Ooh. know if that's from the King and I or if that's from <sighs> like carousel or something. I don't remember the one that like. The one that I always think of when I think of The King and I is, like, getting to know you, getting to know all about you, like that one. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Okay, so I guess I'm familiar with the music, and I've never watched any of these movies. That's valid. The original King and I movie is, like, pretty yikes. It's all white people playing these, like, fictional Asian people, so Uh it's, like, not great. But as a stupid little kid, I really liked it. And it says The King and I is with Deborah Carr. Yes, um, and, and Rita Moreno um, played, like, one of the Asian characters. It was, like, really bad. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, but she's... Okay, have you seen what Rita Moreno looks like now? She's, like, 90, and she looks like she's, like, 65 years old. Damn. <laughs> and what about um, South Pacific? Have you ever seen that one? I've never seen South Pacific. I think, um... No, my I was trying to remember if that's one that my parents saw, like, a live production of before I was born, but it was either South Pacific or Carousel that my parents watched. Okay. Um, and I've seen, like, uh, I've listened to the soundtrack of Oklahoma because the most recent Broadway production of that was really good, but I've never seen Oklahoma. I've only listened to okay, it. Okay, yeah, no. So I just looked up, and The King and I was made in 1956, um, starring Yul Brynner that makes and sense. Deborah Kerr. And yeah, you're right, read him right now. Yep. And did you say you yep. hadn't seen Oklahoma before? 
No, I've only ever listened to the soundtrack. I've never actually seen it. Um, wow, that looks really old. 1955 <laughs> uh, with Gordon McRae and Shirley Jones. Oh, I think uh, my mom used to watch um, The Partridge Family when she was a kid. And Shirley Jones was yes. the mother in that. Yes, yeah, that's right. I remember. I love The Partridge Family. Have you seen it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I watched like every season oh, of the Partridge oh, really? Family with my like, parents. My mom got like one I love season that show. H and B back like fifteen years ago or whatever. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> I actually don't know if we have every season. I don't know how many seasons of that show exist, but I've seen like at least a few yeah. of them. <laughs> um, and also the last one I mentioned, South Pacific, was also nineteen fifty eight. Wow, there was like a boom in musicals in the fifties, I guess. Um, yeah, that was Rodgers and Hammerstein's yeah, wow, year. Yeah, their decade, and then and then this was their most successful, obviously. Um, so apparently, um, Julie Andrews was in the Broadway play in nineteen fifty eight. I think it was. I think she might have been in the actual Broadway production, which is really interesting. Oh, that's so cool. God, that would have been so cool to I know, see live. Right? Uh. I don't want to live in a time where there isn't a Julie Andrews anymore. Like, it just makes me really sad. She just turned 85, so stay forever. She's going to live forever. Yeah. Her and the queen are <laughs> the just queen. never going to die. <laughs> I choose Julie Andrews over the queen, <laughs> let's be honest. Oh, same. Like, in a heartbeat. But I'm just saying, if, if there are two British women who will live yeah. forever, it'll be them. And North America has Betty White who will oh live forever. God. And, like, that's it. Yeah, as Canadians, we don't really have one. But freaking Americans, Betty White. She's, like, 99. I love Betty White. I hope she lives forever. I've seen her, like, in a little bit. I mean, before COVID, too. She used to be everywhere, though. Like, in every commercial. Yeah. Yeah, she was doing well for herself. And um, another person, I will mention her in another fact, that needs to live long, too, is Carol Burnett. Oh, yes. So, God, I love Carol Burnett. Apparently, Julie Andrews and Carol Burnett, in 1962, um, they did a TV special episode where they actually made a spoof of The Sound of Music um, before Julie Andrews was even part of the movie role. And they called them the Pratt oh God, Family no Singers. So if you want to, like, look... Look up Julie Andrews, Carol Burnett. I haven't oh my God. personally watched it yet, but Carol Burnett's always I'm a good time. I'm looking that up right now. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's called the Pratt Family Singers, like Chris Pratt. I, I don't know why, <laughs> but yeah. Um, also, while Disney helped um, and convinced um, the director and like all the producers and writers on The Sound of Music to use Julie Andrews as Maria, she was a bit worried because she didn't want to be typecast Ha! As a as a governess, because that's kind of like a lot of her roles now. But uh, after the Mary Poppins, so um, it's really I'm so glad Walt Disney did that. Go him. Was yeah? Cause wait, sorry. Was which came first, The Sound of Music or Mary Poppins? Mary Poppins, and then if oh, I always forget if I that. I believe correctly. What happened was, um, Julie Andrews was supposed to be in My Fair Lady, and. Yes. And she could sing and do it all, but they chose Audrey Hepburn over her, even though Audrey Hepburn does not sing. And um, Okay, I, I feel like what I heard, and maybe this is yeah. wrong, is I feel like it was either Mary Poppins and My Fair Lady or The Sound of Music and My Fair Lady were going to be like filming at the same time, and so Julie Andrews couldn't do both. 
And so she like picked the one over my fair lady. Was, that oh, might not be it true. It was Mary Poppins though. Okay. Yeah, I feel I think she picked Mary oh, Poppins over did? my fair okay. lady. Okay, I won't blame Audrey Hepburn. I then. feel like I remember that. <laughs> Even though I I like Julie Andrews way more. But um Oh, Apparently, yeah. it, like, worked out perfectly well because she won, like, an Oscar for Mary Poppins, so. Yeah. yeah. So it, and I think Audrey Hepburn's great in My Fair Lady. She's obviously, like, not as good as Julie Andrews, but she does yeah. a good job with it. No, she, she was good, too. I never, like, ever was a big Audrey Hepburn fan. I had a hard time always warming up to her, but um, she's good in that. Yeah. Um, I've already said how Christopher Plummer has despise the film <laughs> we don't need to talk about that anymore but so apparently funny. he drank a lot on set too and gained a lot of pounds and they had to keep like making his costumes bigger because he was so depressed about being in that movie like whoa man you're getting a job <laughs> like God, dude so dramatic and like it's a fun <laughs> yeah. movie like what did he how hate bad? about it did he hate musicals yeah. like, like how bad could it have been for you you're a paid actor and you're in like the biggest movie of all time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also like i don't know did he not real like what like when he was like oh it's too dewy or whatever like dude do you not realize that this is like a good family yeah. movie like how could you read the script for the sound of music and not be like oh this is a good movie <laughs> i know and the irony is that that like this is his most well-known movie <laughs> until knives out yeah it's <laughs> so um, weird yeah i mean like come on man like just just enjoy being in this amazing film and working alongside uh, Julie Andrews, literally Mary Poppins, every day. I mean, it's not that bad. Um, and here's something really creepy. Charmaine Carr, who um, plays Liesl, who I always thought was so gorgeous in the movie, she actually kind of had a crush on Christopher Plummer and he felt similar toward her. <laughs> now she was um mm. 21 at the time um so it would have been okay but like well, uh, at least she was legal <laughs> he was 35 mm, that's <laughs> I not great i kind of wish i hadn't read that could now. be worse could be better yeah <laughs> he, he says it didn't go beyond mere flirtation but i'm like the fact that you have to say that makes me really uncomfortable <laughs> Okay, Christopher Plummer. Not wanting to... R.I.P. King, all right. Not wanting to go back to, like, old, like, 60s shows that our parents watched, but you know the Brady Bunch? And, oh, yeah. like, the mother who never worked at all, but, like, had to have a housekeeper, <laughs> like, the mom. Oh, yeah. So yeah, she yeah, yeah. Um, apparently had, like, a two-year affair with the oldest guy, uh, like, the oldest son, Oh, ew. And he was like no. 16. <laughs> oh, wow. That's somehow it's even, even worse. worse she had like children of her own and stuff. So, ew. <laughs> so, I guess Christopher Thurmer and Charmin Carter are like, Hollywood a bit sucks. better off, but still. <laughs> um, Julie Andrews actually would sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious um, on set to the cast to entertain them because the shooting was so long. It actually was a six-month shoot, if you can believe it. Oh, wow. And at the time, Mary Poppins hadn't even been released yet, so they just thought that she would go along and just make up a song for them. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh, my God. I bet the littlest kids love that. Oh, I mean, how lucky to be at, like, Julie Andrews' prime time of her life. Uh. God, that's so cute. Do you know the scene when it's kind of 
we're kind of figuring out that Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews like one another and you know they're kind of having this like they're angry because she took them out in the river and they're fighting but they're also like super into one another um yes so he kind of accidentally calls her captain that wasn't planned I don't know if you remember the exact part but yes yeah I've always wondered that too and I just see here that it was all all like improvised he made a mistake um, but Robert Wise thought it was actually really funny, so he kept it in. And it actually works. Yeah, it's funny. It's really It well adds done. more to this character, Von Trapp, because he seems like always, you know, accurate and a stickler. And for once, he messes up because he likes her. Um, that's, yeah, that's really funny. In the 16 going on 17 um, scene, it was the last scene to be filmed. And apparently Sharman Carr slips and in the gazebo and she falls through glass um her ankle was bad oh my god and she still had to do the dance scenes because um you know it was had to be done that day and apparently they wrapped her leg up in bandages and they cover it up with like nylons and makeup i've never noticed a bandage but movie magic i've never (laughs) noticed oh lord (laughs) um Damn. What is how right? It's like it's not always fun to be an actor. I will say, yeah, and I will say, like I, I remember really loving that song as a kid, and that scene is gorgeous. Like when they do the dancing in the gazebo, it's like a really beautiful scene. Yeah, it is so nicely filmed, and it, it's it's well done. You know, with that kind of like it's filmed differently because they're like young in love compared to Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer it's more innocent and more free and it's just really beautiful um yeah but it's all in the gazebo and it's raining it's so cute um apparently Julie Andrews had to learn how to play guitar as well for this movie so go her wow impressive yeah Julie Andrews walked so that Ryan Gosling could run. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Thank you. (laughs) I like that. I'm looking at my La La Land poster right now. Me too. (laughs) Hey. We need to do the La La Land next. I can't believe I just said the La La Land. We need to do La La Land next. We should. I love that uh, movie, as you I know. I haven't seen it in a really long time, actually. <laughs> I showed it to Hannah, and she, like, she did not not like it, but she didn't love it. She was like, yeah, that was okay, and I was like, okay, whatever. Oh, what? <laughs> wow, just okay, hey? Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, she was, like, bored in the oh, middle. Halfway in the movie, I and wanted to is... rewatch it again, like, the first time I saw it. <laughs> I love I love that movie. I never get bored. I remember, though, being, like, caught off guard at the very beginning, and I was like, I'm going to like this, but I'm also very confused why we haven't seen Ryan Gosling <laughs> in 20 minutes, and then the whole, like, bringing him back in again, it was very interesting, and I think it'll be their best roles to date, because Emma Stone has just made, like, zombie oh, movies yeah. since then. Uh, she was in The Favorite, and then after that... Oh, uh, and she's going to oh, be yeah, in... Cruella. Cruella. I, uh, she's made some weird choices since winning an Oscar. Usually, when you win an Oscar... You pick better roles, <laughs> I thought. But, okay, yep. I, and, and Ryan Gosling is gone. He made First Man, and no one's seen him since. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I haven't thought about the fact that I haven't seen Ryan Gosling in anything for a while. And the first man was horrible. Because he's just vibing. <laughs> like horrible yeah, like, oh, scene in the box office, and so now he's just gone. <laughs> At least there's Ryan Reynolds. I mean, Ryan Reynolds donates stuff. He's always giving away money with like lively and doing great things. Ryan Reynolds so, is awesome him. and very good we at acting. We need to do a Ryan Reynolds movie on like on this show. I'm not Please. familiar with his movies too often now. Have you seen the Deadpool movies? No, I'm a baby. I'm like scared that it's going to be yeah. too gory for me. But I did watch Detective Pikachu, which is a very good movie. Oh, oh yeah, he's the voice in that, right? Yes, I watched. My roommates are really into Pokemon. And so they showed me two, like, animated Pokemon, like, original, like, animated Pokemon movies from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and that basically gave me, like, all of the context I needed to know going into Detective Pikachu. Um, and then I watched Detective Pikachu, and I, like, mostly knew what was happening, and it was really good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, see, I'm not, I mean, I think I've seen him in one where he's a snail, like, and it's Turbo. an animated film, and he's a snail. Yes, I've seen that movie. Yeah. But other than that, same with Blake Lively. Like, I never watched, I never wanted to watch Gossip Girl and stuff. Uh, I never got into, like, The Vampire Diaries. I know she's not in that, but those were kind of, like, the shows who people watched that I never watched. I was watching the Disney Channel and, like, YTV. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it just, it's, like, these people that I really admire and like but I don't know anything about their acting career. Yep. No, I've never seen Blake Lively in anything ever. <laughs> I, I don't think I have either, actually. Oops. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> She's cool. I still I still think about that post she makes where she posts a picture of Ryan Gosling and says, Happy birthday, baby. <laughs> it's like the best, the best thing on the internet out there. <laughs> and she's like oops wrong canadian boy <laughs> anyway um <laughs> do you have anything left do you want to say about the sound of music oh man it's just it's just good like it no matter how many times you watch it it's just an enjoyable movie it never gets old it's always relevant there's like basically none of that mo- basically all of the movie has aged well um which is like mm-hmm. pretty astounding for a movie made in the 50s um and julie andrews is the best and i love her <laughs> yeah so i'm assuming um did the sound of music move you or not <laughs> oh yeah and it, it's one of those movies where like i feel like it moves me more and more every year that i watch it because when i was a little kid i never used to cry at movies ever and now I'm as bad as my parents who cry at everything. And so we all, like, cry at Edelweiss. Aww. And, like... <laughs> we get sentimental as we age, so... Yeah, I, I remember, like, I think I was, like, 13 when I first cried at a movie. And ever since then, it's, like, really easy for me to cry at movies now. <laughs> I was crying at Annie when she met her dog. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Um, I never cried at that before. That's, like, all the new thing. And, like, when she leaves and, and, well, back to the sound of music. I mean, yes, it totally moved me. Um, I cry in Edelweiss. Um, I, and I'm just, I smile when the characters are happy. Um, I laugh, like, during that scene where the nuns, um, like, do something with the Nazis' cars. So good. And when he rips the flag, and there's so many... And I laugh when I see Max. He's such a good character. He's one of my yeah. favorites. He didn't get enough talk here, but... And just Julie Andrews just sells it all for me, and 
And she's just such a great actress in this. And I think it'll be a timeless movie forever. I think if we have kids, our kids will watch it and their kids will watch it. And I think it'll always be around. I'm just so happy that I live in a time where The Sound of Music is, a, is around and I can enjoy it. And I'm happy that I could be around when Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer were still making movies. Yeah. No, and like... Do you... Yeah, and like we sure. said, Knives Out was like was really good. Like it was a really really good movie to have be one of Christopher Plummer's last because he was so good yeah, in it. It was his last one, so what a great way to go out. Yeah, damn. <laughs> um, do you think I asked this in my last one for the Oscar winning one? But do you think a movie like this, um, if it was made like in twenty twenty one, would win Best Picture in today's climate? See, I wonder, I feel, honestly, I feel like it might be, I don't know if it would win Best Picture. I think it would do well, because I'm thinking, like, you know, the whole point of La La Land was it was supposed to be this homage to movie musicals of that time. Mm -hmm. And La La Land, I mean, obviously didn't win Best Picture, oop. Um, But (laughs) it, like, almost. um, (laughs) But, like, you know, it did pretty well for itself, like, in terms of awards, and it did very well in terms of, like, box office and rating and stuff. Um, And so I feel like, I feel like just because of how long it is, it might be, like, it might not be quite fast-paced enough for today's, like, movie audience because movies these days move so quickly. But I think it would still do well if it were made today. And I think it would be made with, like, even more nuance, um, which would be interesting to see. Yeah, and like you said with Lolan, I mean, it's not like it's underrated movie. It got the love it deserved, and it got a lot of attention. And, you know, Emma did win an Oscar. Um, and I probably would have been one of these people like I was for La La Land if The Sound of Music did come out this year. I'd probably been like, I want it to win, I want it to win. But no in the back of my head that it might not win. Um, I would have been rooting for it, though. Yeah. And I don't think that it would have won. I don't know what the heck was going on in like the 60s and 70s where every movie was given Best Picture was a musical. I mean, there's like West Side Story yeah. and Oliver and this one and Fiddler on the Roof. And like for about like 15 years there... Every musical won Best Picture. Feather in the Roof and Oliver are good movies. I still haven't seen West Side Story, but I'll watch it one day. Oh, we'll have to do it on here. <laughs> that movie, I just, like, have, like, cursed memories from my university's Bernstein Symposium where, like, West Side Story <laughs> is ruined for me. But I'll watch it one oh, day. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, I won't make you do it then. <laughs> no, I do need to watch. No, I do. I Honestly, I do need to watch it one day. I know it's, like, a classic, and, I mean, the music in it is good. But, like, you yeah, know, Filler oh, yeah. on the Roof and, like, Oliver are both really good movies. Um yeah. Oh, sorry. This is like, I just thought of this. There was one other thing I wanted to say about um, The Sound of Music when we were talking mm-hmm. about how it's like aged really well and so much of it feels timeless. I think that even like the dynamic between the Baroness and Maria is really well done and really modern if for the time yeah. because like, you know, obviously the Baroness is like jealous of Maria at first and wary of her. And she does set Maria up at the party to sort of embarrass her. her. Yeah. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, like the Baroness comes around and she doesn't get super catty and she doesn't like beg Captain Von Trapp to take her back or like do anything really bitchy. She's just like, okay, Max, like, or no, Max is the uncle. She's like, okay, Georg, like, 
You like Maria. Gaylord. Gaylord. Like, you like Maria. Like, literally everybody knows you like Maria. Like, it's fine. Like, go get her. And that's, like, it's nice. Like, she just steps aside and is, like, okay. Like, she's not, like, a super catty, like, antagonistic woman, TM. She's just, like, a good person in the end, which is really cool. Yeah. She becomes really mature because she's really catty in that middle scene where she sets her up and then sends her packing, basically. And then she realizes that she's just not well suited for, I'm just going to call him Captain Von Trapp, <laughs> um, like not well suited for him because she's really not totally good enough for him. She's not good enough for the kids. Yeah. She won't, you know, she's also noticing around that time that he's not supportive of the Nazis and she's way more of a kiss ass and she doesn't want to, you know, be poor. She wants to live in a grand house. Yeah. She'll just be silent and do whatever they ask, whereas she realizes that he's not going to be like that through signs of, I love that they don't ever say too much, like like through the signs of, you know, ripping the flag and through actions, you know that he's not a supporter and she picks up on that too. I mean, I don't think she's in that scene, but she yeah. obviously would have picked up on those kind of innuendos as well. Oh, definitely. And even um, one of the, the songs that I think you'd find really interesting in the musical version, the one that, um, I never remember how it goes, but the one that, that Max and the Baroness get is basically a song where they're like, trying to convince Captain Von Trapp like not to worry so much about the Nazis and they're like hey like whatever happens happens man like the world keeps spinning and life keeps going on and like whatever happens will adapt to it and like don't even worry about it like don't worry your pretty little head about it and Captain Von Trapp is like no like I'm going to fight back and make sure Nazis don't take control of Austria and they're like ah don't worry about it have a lemonade dude it's like during the scene I think in the movie it's just the scene where they make the joke about like the pink lemonade like that's where the song is supposed to happen oh I see okay yeah also never tried pink lemonade but I've always been interested in that from that movie (laughs) anyways do they make pink lemons um not to pitch you anything on the air or anything, because like, you don't have to say yes, but I was thinking for next month doing, like, underrated princess movies, like, non, like, um, Enchanted <gasps> yes. and Ever After. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's with Drew Barrymore. Um, yes! Okay. Hannah showed me Ever After, like, within the past few months, and it is my favorite oh, Cinderella adaptation Yeah, now. I watched it when I was Like, a kid. one of my... It's so yeah. good. And, like, not to pitch you anything, but I would love to do Princess Diaries 2 with you. Because <laughs> yes. I think... I don't think yes. Princess Diaries 1 is underrated. I think it's well-rated. Princess Diaries 1 is not underrated. And also, like, in my opinion, Princess Diaries 2 is a better movie. And I know that that's controversial, <laughs> but... Princess Diaries 2 is a better movie. I, I don't know if I can totally agree. I haven't watched it in a long time, but <laughs> I will rewatch it and then we can say how we feel. I still love Princess Diaries. I also... I like I like both movies. I, like, Princess Diaries 1 yeah. is a good movie. Princess Diaries 2, I just think, is better. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, a controversial take. I liked Michael <laughs> Moskovich a lot, and then I watched, you know... Or maybe I saw Chris Pine first, and then... Anyways, I always remember Michael Moskovich. He's, like, my favorite. But the other ones I was thinking of... Um, what did I say? I said Ever After, Enchanted, um, oh, Princess Diaries 2. Oh, I wanted to do that one that you mentioned with Carol Burnett. Um, and she's like a princess. Oh, once upon yes, a mattress. Yes. Oh my God, please. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I need to try to find a version of that where she is the princess. Cause the version on Disney plus. So I found it on YouTube. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That musical <laughs> is so good. the only place I could find for free. Because soon YouTube won't be for free anymore, much longer. It's already, like, you have to pay for stuff. But the other one was, have you ever seen Ella Enchanted? That was, like, my favorite 
over Princess Diaries. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. I was really scared of Ella Enchanted as a little kid because the snake and the evil uncle always scared me. So I didn't. So when I was a little kid, I always had to like look away during those scenes because they made me really scared. Um, but then I got a little bit older and I really loved Ella Enchanted. And it's like a classic. Like, I love that movie. Yes. And Hannah had never seen that movie. And I showed it. What? I know. And I showed it to her like what? a few months ago. And she thought it was so bad. Like, she hated Ella Enchanted. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that they have they're singing to Queen they're and Elton Queen John and Elton in a fairy John. tale. And it's like like I understand like if I had seen Ella Enchanted for the first time as a 20, 21 year old, I probably also would have thought it was a bad movie, but I saw it when I was a little kid and I think that movie's amazing. <laughs> I don't know, I think I would have still liked it. I think I like it a lot because she's such a strong. I mean, I know it's kind of the Cinderella story, but it's completely different. Exactly. And, but also she's super strong. She doesn't want a prince. She's like riding and she doesn't and I love that she saves him and stuff. It, it's just so... She's I had a huge ass. Anne Hathaway face. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, oh, I have brown hair. I'm Anne Hathaway, too. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Between Ella and Enchanted like and, like, Princess Diaries, I loved Anne Hathaway. Oh, yeah. And then I just... I watched The Devil Wears Prada when I was a bit older, and I still loved her. And I haven't seen her in a couple of years in movies, but, yeah, really love her movies. Oh, yeah. Not to um, put you anything I know there's some it. weird things. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know I was just going to say there's like this weird online group. I don't know if you've heard, but they're called Anne Hathaway haters. And I'm like, why? She's so good. She's also like just a good person. And they hate her because she's never been problematic. I'm like, oh, "Oh, okay. So what? (laughs) You hate her for being a good person? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. Not to pitch you anything on air, but if you're doing underrated princess movies, um, I don't know if you've seen it or not yet, but you should talk about Anastasia. Oh, yeah. I watched it for the first time in the pandemic last yeah, year. Yeah, me too. And I really liked it. Um, I think it's like super 90s, right? It's like Meg Ryan. Is yeah, actually, Anastasia it's probably not like, like underrated. I feel like a lot of people really like that movie, but it's a good movie anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of live action, oh, but valid. I would like to do that one too. Um, I was trying to think if there's any other like live action princess. Like that's not... I, I mean, Enchanted's one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. I watch that movie when I'm feeling bad. Yeah, I love um, Enchanted. But I find it super underrated. Um, but there isn't really any others that aren't... I, I don't want to do, like, the live act... Like, I don't want to do Lily James no. version or Emma Watson. Those were, those were big enough. <laughs> I'll have to think about that. I mean, the only other ones I think of are, like, the really cringe, like, terrible, like, Selena Gomez, Hilary Duff, like, Cinderella stories. Okay, the Hillary Duff one isn't actually that bad, but yeah. I haven't seen it since I was like 12. I never watched the ones with Selena Gomez because I never was a big fan of hers, but... There was one with Kiki Palmer that I liked. It was called Rags, and it was like a oh. Nickelodeon original movie, and it was like a Cinderella story with Kiki Palmer. I remember liking that one. Um, okay. Oh, I think this is on Disney Plus now. The Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella live action movie with Whoopi Goldberg. As, like, oh. the fairy godmother. Yes, I've heard of that, but I've never seen it. Oh, it's good. You've seen it, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's so good. I was just... Okay, I is it on Disney Plus? Then I'll check that yeah, out, Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm... it's on Disney Plus. Because I remember I'm them promoting at... it. I'm looking up underrated princess films, but it's, like, coming up with... With, like, 
Tiana and stuff. <laughs> Which is so, an underrated princess film. The Princess yes. and the Frog deserves way more love than it gets. That movie is phenomenal. Yeah. So I think I've picked, I think I've mentioned like the, the most important ones. They seem to all start with an E, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ella enchanted, enchanted ever after. Oh, that's oh, funny. Oh, and once upon a mattress is on Princess Diaries. Okay, got two that aren't. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God, you're going to love Once Upon a Mattress so much. <laughs> Anyways. Now you'll know, now you'll know what's going to come up for, like, May, <laughs> because I don't want to watch any, like, big dramatic movies right now. I'm exhausted after watching Promising Young Woman and other movies. I'm like, no, back to watching childhood films <laughs> that are good. I'm not making oh, you watch yeah. The Pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> but if you all like The Pacifier, I'm not going to judge you. I came up Fair. with it, so... <laughs> Um, you can watch <laughs> The Pacifier and The Sound of Music on Disney+. Plus. And I want to thank you, Christina, for coming back on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's always a fun time. Um, and I want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. 